The masks are coming off. Mm-hmm. The villains are revealed. Oh, yeah. The mysteries are, you know. Continuing. Continuing. There's more mysteries. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And a mysterious justice. Oh. Mysterious Justin. I'm wearing my peacock mask right now. Mm-hmm. Hey, what a wonderful week of comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to? Guys, listen, I just finished reading comics right before we started recording, and um, I'm not okay. Like, I'm not okay. Due to the fate of a certain self friend, and I am just really having a hard time gathering myself about it. So I'm sure talking about other comics will help, but until we get to Legion of X at the end, and please know that I could cry on the podcast today. Anyway, <laughs> we got a lot of comics to talk about. We're talking. You know, Infinity Comics, we've got Love Unlimited, number 35, and X-Men Unlimited, number 72. We're wrapping up Dark Web with Dark Web Venom, number 16. Then we've got Scarlet Witch, number 2. Dark Web Finale, number 1. X-Force, number 37, and Legion of X, number 10. (laughs) The immediate reaction when you read the title. I just... I didn't have this kind of reaction for other characters, and so I am I'm having a hard time processing my emotions right now. Yeah, it's real. It's big. It's true love between two self-friends. It's something. I'll tell you what. You know what it is. Time for... The news. The news! The news. Oh, that was so sad. <laughs> can't... Sorry. You can't be sad all episode. Okay, I'll really try not to. I'll Shake really it off. Try. We'll, we'll get excited because we're talking about the X-Men vote. The oh. 2023 X-Men vote. Oh, the X-Men vote. So this week we've had announcements of our candidates. Yeah, we, we've got six of them. We only have six this time. Ten previously in the past two years. But this time they were like, no, we're just going to front load you with some quality choices and really make you wonder. Who do I want to vote for? Who do I want to vote for? That's a good question. I wonder, who am I going to vote for? I already voted. I know you did. How do you know I did? Because I know you. I, I voted while you were finishing reading comics. Oh, really? I voted twice. You What? How'd you vote twice? Did what? you use the podcast email as a second email? No, once on my computer and once on my phone. Oh, because you don't have to put an email. Who knows? Well, I can vote twice. Oh, my God. That means I can vote for both. So you just cancel each other out? Well, did you vote twice for the same you candidate? You know it. Frenzy? Frenzy. Yeah. Who are our candidates, Alicia? We've got Frenzy. We've got Juggernaut. We've got Cannonball. We've got Jubilee. We've got Dazzler. And we've got... Prodigy. Prodigy. Hey. That's the one. Actually, Thanks. just so if you have Marvel Unlimited... And you're interested in reading a little bit more about the candidates. They actually have little jumping on points for each of them. Oh, interesting. So I just happen to be scrolling around <laughs> like I do. Just to be hanging out on Marvel Unlimited. And I just 
randomly decided to binge read the New Mutants run where Prodigy first appears. Oh. Which I don't know if I had ever actually read. I've read Academy X and I have most of those issues, but that was an interesting background to where those characters originally first appeared. One of them being Elixir of the Five, Josh Foley. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, so y'all know that Justin voted for Frenzy. Frenzy. Frenzy was my initial pick, like straight out the gate, heard the nominees or heard the candidates. And yeah, we, I was like, ooh, Frenzy's Frenzy for the win. We're on House of X podcast this week with X Reads talking about all the different candidates, each of us backing one of And Prodigy was honestly one of my top picks as well. Just that big brain energy, just like how much planning and ability can you share and like that's mutant technology baby right in this guy's brain i know but prodigy okay i'm not i don't want to get too far into it but prodigy is just like he's a compilation of everything that's already on the team i know i know that that was the argument that made me sway to really back frenzy but i also just think to have that kind of idea share between sync and forge and prodigy and who knows if i mean sync better come back i'm just saying it now jerry Jerry. Sync better be in year three. <laughs> he was the breakout character two years in a row. How do you then bench that guy? I don't think they do. I don't I mean, I don't think they do. No. But Forge, but, I'm not sure. He's got other stuff going on. He's currently got a diamond on his forehead. Who knows what's going on? <laughs> so many people have diamonds on their foreheads right now. But but Juggernaut though. Like Juggernaut's kind of <laughs> my he I I started out joking around saying i just want to piss off charles xavier so and then the I, more you said it the more it became true it it did become true and it also you know there's the point that brought up that people brought up when we were talking on the house of x podcast about the fact that he's you know he's not a mutant so there's that whole human relations. human mutant relations situation and he's been getting you know a bad rap as far as like not getting love for not being allowed on Krakoa at first and it would be a really good thing to for him and you know reformed villain and you know he's the juggernaut insert expletive here I, do we say that on our podcast I don't we, we try do. not to swear yeah he's the juggernaut biatch there you go that's <laughs> does that count will yeah. we be censored <laughs> i don't know who knows the rules apple doesn't spot check every episode do they i don't know who's gonna report us is it you did you report it um but yeah so i have to i have to cast my vote it's gotta happen yeah i don't even know if this episode's gonna come out before the voting ends the voting ends on friday and i have a full day tomorrow and a show tomorrow night so unless i'm sneaking edit times during my lunch break or at work which i don't want to include that <laughs> well maybe i'll just do a vote for frenzy and a vote for juggernaut i just here's the thing i really want to vote for frenzy i really deep down in my soul believe that frenzy deserves it but i also just once want to be on the winning team like i just want to back the winning candidate like well, then, just once well then i think you know juggernaut's got a better shot just in terms of mass appeal and this is honestly what most of the conversation was about who has the casual vote, the people that aren't actually reading the books. And I think Juggernaut and Jubilee really do rack up those votes because yeah. of their representation in media. You have Juggernaut in the movies. You have him in the cartoon. You just, He's a longstanding. I think he first appears in issue 12 of X-Men. So he's been around for decades. He's been decades, around for a while. Right. Jubilee. 
X-Men the Animated Series. And I got some shade because and someone someone commented on, I think it was a post today. They're like, ah, you know, I want to like her, but she's just so annoying. And that's basically what I said. I, I like her now, but when she first appeared. Oh. Well, when she first appeared, think about how old you were and what her character was. And she yeah. was essentially your arch nemesis. Sure. Girls you know? are gross. Girls are gross. But she is that sort of. I don't know, gateway into the X-Men for so many people, especially when you talk to so many people and you say, what was your introdu- introduction to the X-Men? And they say, the animated series. Everyone. Like, you know, mall rats for the win. Yeah. Does a mall baby eat chili fries? So, I don't know, but... I do have some numbers. Marvel put up some numbers a couple hours ago. Oh, snap. So, this is the percentage change in the last 24 hours. See, this is why I like being a holdout and waiting for the last moment to vote. This doesn't tell you where they are in relation to them each other. It just oh. tells you in the last 24 hours, Cannonball has gone up 17.5%. I knew that Cannonball would be a sneaky. Dazzler has gone down 1.4%. Oh, no. Frenzy has gone down 38.7%. That's oh. the biggest loss. Jubilee has gone up 8.7%. Juggernaut has gone up 16.5%. And Prodigy has gone down 9%. Okay, but that means nothing because what if everybody who wanted to vote for Frenzy voted in the beginning because they're the true fans and now the stragglers are coming in and they're not voting for Frenzy because they don't know who she is. Right. Well, I just I feel like that's going to be to her detriment because nobody knows. you You look at these six and Frenzy and Prodigy who have, you know, unique character traits and backstories and powers General audiences don't know who they are because I mean, they've I only just been forgot Prodigy when I was doing the I list. I know. Yeah. Yeah. David. David. All right, let's talk about something else. Okay. I'm gonna vote for Juggernaut. <laughs> you do what you do. Four new one shots issuing oh. bringing in the fall of X. I think they're called Before the Fall. <sighs> These are some exciting announcements, yeah, y'all. They really were. Yeah, X-Men Before the Fall, Sons of X, which seems to be a conclusion to Legion of X in some way, at least if you read into the last page of Legion of X. Mm. Heralds of Apocalypse, the the one that everybody is the most excited for, myself included. Yes. Written by Al Ewing with a cover by Pepe Larraz, art by Luca Pizzari. It's really, that that one, like what? Come on. Come on. Mutants First Strike by Steve Orlando and Valentina Pinti. But that one too interests me. Like, what are they striking on? Did you read any of the solicitation text? No. Oh, okay. The, I just the, looked at the covers. The, I mean, the other one that is, and it's, it makes sense because my two favorite titles are Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red. And the two that I'm most intrigued and excited about are the ones written by those two writers. Yeah, of course. Right? The last one, Sinister Four. Who's and writing that? Kieran. <gasps> Kieran Gillen. And it seems as though the four Sinisters team up after the end of Sins of Sinister. That's bananas. Yeah. Well, especially for, I mean, I get it. Nathaniel was always a bad guy and a jerk, and he's always been plotting something. And if that gets upended, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, why are, we, next? why are we fighting each other when we can all just be the best all across all the universes in any kind of medium? The best team. No reveal on that cover of who the fourth sinister is, but we found out this week, y'all. 
There's a couple of people have sent us. So Captain Two Michael and Rod Baxter sent us the X Mansion in Lego form. I love it. Has been leaked, or rumors at least, <laughs> but it looks. I mean, it's got a visual, and I'm like, oh man, I don't know where I would put that, but I feel like I have to get it. Yeah, we do. That is a must. All right, good, good. A hundred percent. Only this is a this is a Lego that we shall build together. That's uh, Captain Two Michael asked, like, who would build it, and that is that. That sounds like a great time. Mm-hmm. Fun date night. Because then, look, we can put all of our X-Men Legos outside it. We do have a lot of them. I mean, I built that beautiful little staircase for them, but... And we assembled them into little units and teams. But we can do that outside the mansion. Led by Storm and Magneto. (laughs) Wakanda Forever is on Disney+. Plus, Celebrating Black History Month, but also just the release of this movie. Can't wait to watch it. Yeah, we're going to watch it on Friday night. And Ant-Man... And the Wasp Quantumania has been pumping up its marketing about two weeks left until that comes out, I February 17th. also very exciting. Right. I, I almost feel like that snuck up. It totally did. There's a, a new what book. What is time? There's a new book that they just started promoting today. It's an in-world book written by Scott Lang, like an autobiography. <laughs> and it's actually going to be sold in stores. Let's go. And Paul Rudd is like doing a commercial about it. <laughs> Like, I'm pretty sure I did not have anything to do with writing this book, but <laughs> I, you can read it. And, I can't wait to read it. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be really good. Yeah. You ready for that poll? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Three entries into the poll. Legion of X, number 10. Dark Web Finale, number one. X-Force, number 37. Who won? X-Force. Ooh. No. No, it was Legion of X. It was Legion of X. I know. I just wanted it to be X-Force. I really enjoyed both of them, but... Legion Legi- of X. Okay, so Legion I mean, of X. I mean, I enjoyed all three of them personally, but. Legion of X got 64% of the vote. 45%. Okay. That wow. Is way off. Just get out of here, Alicia. <laughs> Go home. You're it, drunk. Yep. Yeah, yeah. X Force got 29 and Dark Web got 26. Actually, a pretty tight race for our polls. That doesn't add up. Yeah, it does. Okay. Quick yeah. math in my head didn't, didn't 29, go well. 29, 26 is 55 plus 45, 100. All right. Math. Quick maths. That's why you can't do rounding in maths. Because nope. I was like, 20 and 20 is 40 and another 40. That's only 80. Yeah. <laughs> you ready to talk about Love Unlimited? Yeah, let's talk about it. Karma and Tran. Oh, Tran <laughs> possessing Galora and just what that means to everyone involved. Uh, well, Karma's not here for it. No. She's like, get out, my girl. Yeah. And I like how... There's this questioning of of what's going on and like Karma's stuck in this position of wanting to protect her brother but also wanting to protect her friends and the people that she cares about and not wanting but not wanting anyone else to take down her brother but herself but everyone's like yo Karma are you sure you got yeah, this? Yeah, we need to kind of handle this because he's doing things to people all throughout the island. Danger. Yeah, they get him out of L but then he ends up in, in Psylocke, which uh, arguably a lot worse of a situation. Uh, yeah. But some really cool team ups, just struggling for control, struggling in his identity. That was a lot of last issue was just, I don't know if I can inhabit this body. I'm not used to doing that. This is all I know is taking over other bodies. And I don't want to be stuck here. I don't want to be over there. Yeah. It's just a lot of confusion. But then they team up, all three of them, Galura, Danny, and Karma. And then that final moment. Be careful, love eyes. Ooh. 
please be careful. What will happen? We don't know. I mean, the title is Karma in Love. Well, then there's a hint. <laughs> Writer, penciler, and inker Trung Le Nyung Yen. Triona Farrell on the colors and Ariana Maher on letters. This is Ariana Maher. Are you ready for X-Men Unlimited? Oh, X-Men Unlimited? Let's go. Horticulture put Nature Girl in her place. Honestly, like it's not a good sign when I'm at the beginning of a comic and I'm agreeing with horticulture. <laughs> you know there's a problem. I'm if- like snaps in Z formation to you, horticulture. Yes, she does. Did she is out of control? Yes, it is her fault. Curse is dead. Yes, she is bringing death and destruction. I really liked when they were like, "You keep saying that you're trying to save the planet, but all you're doing is like exacting revenge on people, yeah. and you're not actually doing anything to change no. anything. No, you're just going in and murdering peeps and walking away. Which you know, fun, I guess, but danger. Yeah, and and she still doesn't understand that. She doesn't have the control over her emotions, right, the her powers, emotions. Armageddon Man. Right. She thinks she can control the Armageddon Man, but she certainly cannot. No. And I think Horticulture's starting to make Nature Girl's team question whether they really want to be on this team. Yeah, right. This is our leader. I don't I don't know about that, y'all. She just really is not thinking clearly she's got this idea in her head that what she's doing is good but she can't see that she's really doing a lot more harm than good right but we do have big all-out battle with all these weapons tech and mutant weapons just fighting each other trying to get the upper hand edith knocked out of her chair kind of struggling to get back up she she choked on her lozenge right (laughs) which is such like a grandma's defeat I fell and choked on my lungs. Help me. She Help doesn't me. have a life alert. What is oh, she going to do? What are you doing, horticulture? And then they go into a last resort and use this weapon that has seemingly endangered everyone. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, but it seems like this story is wrapping up in the next... I feel like you say that every issue. <laughs> Maybe it's, like, it's a whole ah, wishful this, this thinking. No, but it says something like the end for them and me or everyone or yeah. Yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that at the end. Something like so. that. Written by Steve Orlando, art by Amelia Lasso, and inks by Amelia Lasso. Colors, Rachel Rosenberg. Letters, Josephino. This is Josephino. This is... <laughs> Stop it. Uh, you ready to get those high level comics in? Which one's that? Oh, Dark Web Venom for sure. For sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah, sure. Let's go with this all out action cover. Yeah, the cover is great. Kamala making an appearance. And just trying to mom these kids into not being symbiote warriors, which, you know, fair. Essentially, the entire issue is Kamala stepping in, saying, hey, hey kids. knock it off. This kind of symbio action is a little advanced for you. You're trying to murder your dad. I heard you say it. You need to calm down, okay? Take a breath. You're just a baby. I'm going to just like toss Bedlam to the side for a second so we can have a convo. And then, you know, baby goblin demon is going to go. <laughs> Normie's going to go attempt to get in on the goods while some other dude who i don't know yeah 
shows up know. and is like, let me make a deal with you. <laughs> let's make things worse let's, by confusing everyone. Let's make a demon deal for your soul because I'll need you to be my right-hand man. George Washington Hamilton situation. And, uh, you know, it's fine. But hold on. Thomas Jefferson's coming home. Thomas Jefferson's coming <laughs> home. But hold on because you think you're going to be able to still just stab your dad right in the heart with this necro sword, but you can't because Madeline shows up and she's like, I need my boy. I need you. Come to me. And then whoosh, 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 whoosh. I didn't make you into this murder machine without the promise of getting you to actually fight my fight. I need you to come over here and do what I need you to do and stop having your silly little battle. And, Final battle and, time. There you go, Venom, Dark Web, you got it. That's the issue. It's interesting because it seems like this does do some interesting things for Al Ewing's title with Venom, mm -hmm. right? It does move Eddie into Bedlam, which is a, a part that only from the few issues that I flipped through and then in talking with Warline, like that's a, a key part of this different symbiotes across time as Eddie is multiple people and mm -hmm. God of symbiotes and even just where we leave Dylan. And I would say that this arc has made me maybe want to try it again. I've mm. tried it multiple times and I just have no you real interest. Enjoy it. I feel like I need to go back a little further. I need to refresh on the full King and black. I need to explore Dylan's backstory a little bit because he apparently has a lot, especially this whole codex and everything yeah. else that he does across time streams and in other realities. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on. One, The one thing that kind of stood out to me as like, oh, that's interesting, is this idea that Eddie and Venom have been one and the same for so long that because Eddie is detached from his memories, he feels like he needs Venom to know who, that's who he, he is. That's who he is, right. That like, and I thought that was crazy cool and beautiful in a weird way that like... Venom has truly become a part of him and he needs that sense of himself to like anchor himself in who he is. And Dylan's like, no. He's mine. You can't have him. I'm going to You gave him to me, dad. Kill you. Yeah. No, kill you slash you save you? Maybe. This was written by Al Ewing, pencils by Brian Hitch, inks by Brian Hitch and Andrew Curry, colors by Alex Sinclair, and letters Clayton Coles. BC. Clayton Coles. That cover by Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair. Hey, we can build our web. We have all Ooh. the issues. Ooh, exciting weekend project. Yeah, we maybe have to show it to someone this weekend too. Ooh, what does that mean? I don't know. I can't I tell know. you. I can't tell you. Do we have any questions or further thoughts on that Venom issue that you well, want I mean, to dig I, into? I thought it was nice to have Kamala flex her voice of reason and even more interesting to see how Dark Web helped get Eddie to where he was headed. This chaos of bedlam that we've seen in some of the other issues, at least in the prelude issues to Dark Web and the different symbiotes he's connected to. I like this issue better than the last one, probably because it didn't have as much unknown to me. It almost made me, like I said, want to try to read this run again. Almost. Almost. Yeah, I did like Kamala's role in the whole thing. And this sort of juxtaposition be her, between her saying, like, I'm still a kid, but I'm also not as much of a kid as you. Right. And I've also I'm a young done adult. I'm a different this, section of the library. Different section of the <laughs> I library. I love that. That's so funny. Yeah, like, I've done this, 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 and this, okay? I got notches on my belt. Yeah. Warline did say that Meridius doesn't like paradoxes, yet he keeps creating them. So that was that guy that you were like, who is, who is this, this guy? one? Right? Yeah. <laughs> he just showed up and I was like, 
Okay, <laughs> except that you will never know. Schlimmerny schlambo, trying to mix it up and go. Uh, we are in we are in rare form tonight. Hey, let's talk about Scarlet Witch number two. Ooh. I I really like the series. I do too. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, I, I love the art. I think it's yeah, so beautiful. I love the art. So we've got. Are we doing? Are we doing a more high level on this baby I think, too? Yeah, I think so too. All right. So the cover. I I really like this cover. Yeah. Um. This sort of like falling feeling and the Vision family, Scarlet Viv. was doing doing her thing. The promise of storm. <laughs> so, the thing that I really liked about this issue was all of it. Yeah. Um, we've got Viv and she's having nightmares, and I really like the you know, Vision has always had this very dry kind of to the pointness about him because you know almost he's a robotic robot. yeah right right synthesoid but there's something that makes it extra special when it's coming from a teenager <laughs> a sassy teenager yeah, yeah like it's just talking to their kind of mom right and this like odd relationship they have where wanda's like well i guess i'm sort of the source material for your mother <laughs> right. um and i thought that this did a really good job of kind of filling me in on the information of their history and their relationship that i didn't have in a way that felt like accessible but not just like spoon feeding it to me right which i feel like is growth in steve orlando's writing in that a lot of other things that i've seen with those deep cuts they're just kind of thrown in there mm. and i'm like wait what huh? i don't know anything about this right where this this does some care as we go throughout the issue to say okay wanda is through these stories confronting her trauma as well mm -hmm. and she's working through the things that have affected and impacted her across time while also helping people and with this and with the next issue as well helping people that have connection to her mm -hmm. and so and, and darcy can you just give us a minute please yeah. and like go in the other room but also watch our bodies while we go into the dreamscape so viv's having nightmares because she's been through a lot she's having trauma and we need to get to the bottom of what these nightmares are and Speaking of nightmares. Yeah, you think it might be nightmare, but no, it's his daughter. It's his daughter. Dream queen. And which, come she on. feeds on the pain, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I just love the back and forth between dream queen and the Scarlet Witch of this, like, who's the strongest? Who can actually take on who? And... Dream Queen thinking that she's got the upper hand on Wanda and Wanda being like, ha ha ha, I'll right. trap you in this light bubble and feed you my sorrows and disappear you forever. And then trap you in this weird need for joy. Yeah, like you're going to feed on my sorrow, but I actually secretly put in this thing that's going to change you to want to feed on joy instead of pain. I mean, let's talk about the art because oh that's, I, I feel like this is a dynamic duo of the premise of the full story, right? You just have the machine of this door that could give you as many plots as you need. Right. It's the, it's the villain of the week or the problem to solve of the week. Might get tired after a while. I think I said that in the first issue. Still going strong. I don't want to put it out there. I just want to enjoy it. But the art in this battle 
was just so intense and so colorful. Both the pencils and the colors just really mm-hmm. showing this this pain between the two of them as they're duking it out, trying to take control over this situation and this place. And it's so cool because they are in this dreamscape, right? So they can change whatever they want. You know, like Wanda makes this giant lion that scoops up the dream queen, but then she bursts it into a bunch of bats. And then we've got whips flying around and light bubbles and shards of light glass. And I love the extreme close-ups as... You know, you think Wanda's running out of breath and then she's sort of disappearing and Dream Queen doesn't know where she is. And we yeah. end with Wanda and Viv, you know, having a little heart to heart. Like, I'll always be here. I'm not your mom, but I'll be around. <laughs> it's just this is a unique confluence of emotions. <laughs> and And I also think it's interesting that we've got this. We've got these two lingering stories that we don't have answers to quite yet. One is this stone that Wanda can't figure out. And two is why did Darcy come through the door? That's how Darcy ended up there. Darcy's got a backstory and it's so sneakily put in there, right? right? We, We don't get, and I feel like that's got strength for, all right, second arc, let's explore a little bit further and actually dive into, right? Right. This, this first arc, the over story is going to be this metal this this pendant mm-hmm. of some kind is it mysterium i don't know probably Ooh, anti-magic right metal of some sort left for her maybe by magneto sure maybe because we do get a little taste of magneto in this issue well, wasn't this the thing that was the the first girl's like family trinket of some kind maybe or? yeah i don't remember off the top of my head but but darcy's got a secret and it has to do with Scythia? Scythia? Mm. Don't know who that is. This was written by Steve Orlando, art by Sarah Pacelli, inking assistant Elisabetta D'Amico, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters Corey Petit. VCs Corey Petit. And Russell Dodderman on that beautiful cover. Oh yeah, you know it. But then we have a B story. We have a second story. story. If you didn't know that this was going to have some mutant connections or at least some X-World connections, they're really front-loading it in. Like, hey, yeah, we got Quicksilver. We got Scarlet Witch. Oh, there's Storm. She's here too. Oh, Polaris is coming next week. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So... Basically, Storm drops by to kind of have a conversation with Wanda about what happened to Magneto. And Wanda's like, you got some sorcery blood in you. You got some witchy origins. Want to come on this little quest with me? I need to get some flowers for my tea. And we're going to take down this, you know, water guardian together with our mutant power magic. And... It's just crazy. Like, it's so cool to see Storm tap into this, like, sorcery side of her that I didn't even know existed. Right. Well, we've only seen hints of and known that it's in her heritage because of her great-great-grandmother or one of... Like, it's and that's who we saw in the Gambit, Gambit series, right. Yeah. right? Okay. Cool. Aisha? Yeah. And so that was fun. And uh, again, I really enjoyed the art in that one as well, in that little story. And this was a completely different team, too. This was written by Stephanie Williams... Art by Chris Allen, colors by D. Cunafy, and letters Corey Petit. Hey, Corey's Corey on this Petit. one too. He's holding it down. The whole book. You got letters, we got Corey. <laughs> and we are ending the issue with this little note from Lorna who just had Pietro grab the necklace yeah. and bring it to her so she could examine it. And 
She'll be by when she has more info. Really into the stylized end page mm-hmm. as like a more direct, hey, this is what's coming next. And We're teeing know, this up. In true Polaris fashion, maybe they can get some coffee yeah. to talk about it and yeah. where it came from. Next, Polaris and Journey to Subatomica. What do you think about this? I really enjoyed it. Good. I thought it was fun. I really like the character relationships. I like the story. I like this world that they're building of this door. And like you were saying, it has endless possibilities of who could come through it and the right. kinds of adventures that that Wanda could go on. And I also really like the the just real world groundedness of it you know we come back to darcy sweeping up magical dust we come (laughs) back to wanda giving this guy some special tea that will make his love for his deceased wife carry on you know so he won't forget her essentially like just these everyday little shop things that happen and the tease of what's going on with darcy's story the world's building that's happening i'm just really enjoying it i think it's really fun and I like that we're getting these concluded stories, you know, yeah. like we're getting the there's this little sub story in the background that we're slowly building. But you're going to get in one issue, you're going to get answers to something. Right. We're going to wrap up a story. And that feels good. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Both stories, actually. Steve is running the bases with Wanda's history and sorting through those loose ends in a really fun way heartfelt refreshing for the character i'm trying to not get caught up in the sense of like where is it going because i'm just pleasantly surprised by both issues more you Mm -hmm. know i I think even just talking about it i see where it's going it's got these overarching stories brewing in the background as it handles its one and dones yeah which it just feels like the one and dones are leading into so much personal work for wanda that that's really good and, and was a main concern with this title was okay, we've had we've had all this terrible things happen to Wanda throughout the years. Leah finally does something to redeem her in the eyes of a lot of people and to really make this gift and have this you know, heartfelt relationship with her would be father. Mm-hmm. And then now like where are we gonna go afterwards? No, we're gonna continue to invest and do that work. And I think that's really great. And I also think that the book, like the marketing behind the book is really smart. Like the taking in of Darcy, like putting Darcy from the MCU into the book, even though her new character design is not completely her MCU look, it definitely has tie-ins and gives you the feel of her MCU look. And then I saw the the preview cover, the cover. The David you, Nakayama variant. That you had posted that was Basically, a WandaVision. It was, yeah. So they're just saying, like, hey, Wanda fans, yeah, we've you, got something for you. If you liked WandaVision over a year ago, you might enjoy this. Yeah, I yeah. think that that's really smart on their part to try to pull in those readers from a different demographic. Right. I mean, that I think is the ultimate test of the, the synergy. Can you make a MCU fan pick up a book because they're that interested in that character? And Wanda's a great test character because of how much love people have for her mm-hmm. in the movies. Yeah. Curls had literally zero idea Wanda and Vision were divorced. Did y'all know? Hmm. I mean, I knew they were no longer together in the comics uh, because of, yeah, because of Trial of Magneto. And there was like awkwardness when Vision was like, the whole team came to look for Wanda. And I was like, well, she's not really my wife anymore. Yeah, yeah. But 
I don't know when the last, I mean, I've seen the stories and I've started to read the stories of it's the, the picture that, that he's being broken through on this cover with vision and his family of synthesoids. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that story. So I knew that they weren't together. And that's a great point. Just the, the trial of Magneto really underscoring where we last saw vision's reaction to yeah, scarlet witch but understandably that was such a like a one one off yeah, one yeah. liner moment that it's easy to miss that especially if you're not following that story warline said that the a story of scarlet witch doesn't make sense as canonically ai's don't have souls and so they're not affected by dimensions like the dream dimension, which has been throughout continuity by Dr. Voodoo, Strange, and Vision himself. It was also hinted at during AXE as the progenitor destroyed anything that didn't or doesn't have a soul and didn't judge them, like Moira and Nimrod, which I think is interesting. You know, I, I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know. I don't know the exact continuity points other than AXE that you're pulling from. I always thought that there was a little bit of gray area, especially with vision, this whole kind of synthesoid cry. Like there's more to... And they're saying he can. Right. There's more to vision than just a regular standard AI. And I feel like, I don't know. And and hearing that, I don't think that changes how I felt about the story. mm -mm. Maybe I have a little bit more questions and, and would interrogate that throughout continuity and look up these points where they talk about this. It is interesting too to know that the mother is somehow pulled from Wanda or like made in her likeness. Her so the mother's mind is mapped from like a scan of Wanda's brain in the same way that Vision's mind is mapped from Wonder Man. Hmm. Interesting. So like if you're if you're mapping someone's brain, do you also map their emotions? Well, and then and then that leads us into the conversation around X-Men and even the way of X, which I was talking about at the comic shop this week and souls, right? Mm-hmm. What, what is a soul? If not a collection of your inclinations, your feelings, your memories, your heart, like where, where does one end and one begin? How does that, how do you divide those things? And, and that's the cooler part, I think of that issue of X-Men number seven, and then Way of X is is not having an answer for those questions, but still asking and trying mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, well, there's not, you know, we're not trying to give heavy religious talk in this fanfare book. Right. It's just, let's ask some big questions that would affect these characters in a real way. Yeah, that's true. On to the webs. <gasps> Dark web finale, number one. Which I thought this was called... Dawn initially. I, I'm pretty sure like the first one was Dusk and then this one was Dawn, which I think I mixed them up last week, but mm. now yeah, I, I remember that, but I now it's called it, Finale. I remember it because from Dusk Till Dawn, the movie. I love this cover because it oh, gives so me Stranger Things upside down vibes. And you just like I wish I still I said it before, but we have that Stranger Things poster that's like if you look at the two of them together, they're essentially the title in the middle. But the Stranger Things poster has obviously the upside down on the bottom and we've got Limbo on the top here. But right. I love that vibe of like the upside down version. Well, I just think especially having Adam Kubert on this cover too. It's so gorgeous. It's so good. And I feel like the art has been so strong throughout this entire event. Yeah, I would agree. And so we dig in with our first page turn noise. 
A little bit of lover's insanity. Celebrations over New York's demise. (laughs) I got you New York. I got you New York for Christmas. Wow. What what are we going to do with all these demons everywhere, though? I don't know. I'm going to throw a parade. Yeah. I I like the visual design of King Chasm. Yeah. It is pretty dope. I mean, like we can can say it because if you're listening to this, you want to know or you know what happened I'm upset that we lose this. We lose this role and we kind of leave him in a little limbo or like Mm. an in-between of where he was previously before the Beyond Arc and where he got to at this point. I don't know. I mean, I would have been more upset if Maddie lost her ruling of limbo completely after everything that we went through to get her to that point. Yeah. So... He only had it for a second, so it's kind of okay. And I also feel like, you know, with a lot of what we've been hearing from people about them not liking the trajectory that Ben has been on, I think where he's at now, at the end of this book, he could be making his way back to what some people really want him to be, which is not this villainous version of himself. I would be surprised, personally, but yes, I hear you. But I love that crazy limbo castle. The, in the tower? Middle. That's yeah. so cool. It's so cool. And just, I mean, I love where we end with that. I yeah. Think that, that's so ridiculous and, and such an interesting takeaway to go forward. I agree. But before we get deeper into this story, we've got to go through this title page. Dark Web, Dawn. In the bleak midwinter. Written by Zeb Wells. Art by Adam Kubert and Francesco Mortarino. With Scott Hanna, colors Frank Martin and Guru EFX, letters Joe Caramagna. VCs Joe Caramagna. Cover by Adam Kuber and Frank Martin. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. There's so many moments in this. I mean, I, I love Adam Kubert. Mm-hmm. I love his art. I think he's so good. And so I feel like this was, in a lot of ways, just really beautiful to look at. And then there's so many light touches to the facial reactions like when mm. we get to it i laughed out loud the we're family and maddie's face like uh, like i'm smiling i like it but i don't, I don't like it i don't at all yeah yeah i think the art in this is great and i have to say i really like the humor oh yeah i love the humor and i love that this is the this is the big book so to speak of the of the event right it's one of the mains of the the couple main books Bookends. that we've got and we're dealing with you know the seriousness of wrapping up the story but we're not taking ourselves too seriously and i think that some of the humorous moments that have carried on throughout this book are the best parts of the story sure. you know yeah yeah we're fighting like, for who's in charge over here like scott being not interested in getting in the middle of this little quarrel between maddie and spider-man but Until when it's, it's time, time to fight. go to war yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's like now that's my speed oh, that's what i do with me rec rap his other web guy his other web guy sure well and just recognition of yeah did you really think that ben's dumb plan was a good idea nah, probably not yeah oh well you have a point and also you guys jonah Get out of here. Go home. Go home. Okay, thank God. As we see Chasm marching on, get ready for this face-off between the X-Men and the Insidious Six. Mm-hmm. Hi, we're your neighbors. Can you keep it down? Oh, Scott, you're such a nerd. <laughs> and we're ready to fight. We're here for it. Even Hollow's Eve is getting in on it. 
And our good friend, Eddie, a.k.a. Bedlam. Bedlam. With his giant chainsaw arm. Giant chainsaw arm that he debuted in the issue before in Venom. And just his exhausting murder. Just his glee as he tears through these demons. He is so excited for killing. And the demons, not so excited to be killed. Yeah. (laughs) And then we get big and we get weird on both sides of the teams with... (laughs) Ben versus Peter and Rec Rap versus Hollow's Eve. Loving it. Loving it. And just, yippee. Yeah. I, uh, Rec Rap, I'm going to let you take on the werewolf. Yippee. I, I don't know what happens to Rec Rap at the end of this. And I will be honest, I want to see him again. Oh, yeah, I do too. I think he's just so ridiculous. I love him. I would imagine that he would be involved in whatever happens on the other side he's part of maddie's like limbo embassy team yeah (laughs) everybody's fighting forge and sink are here too forge is really excited about his his vine gun sink will hear the pitch later he's busy right now it's just some cool action it's Mm -hmm. some cool action scenes some good fights between them and then just all right we're done with this iliana handle it i can do it no, just just teleport them out of here. It's yeah. literally your power to send them home. She's like, oh, fine. I wanted to kick some butt. But instead, I'll just drop them through these silly little holes. Now, where's Alex? Where, where He's on this team, right, Alicia? Yeah, he's totally on this team. Or at least he was. He's I don't on know. this team. Yeah, he's on Team Maddie as he's still rocking his goblin prince he's outfit. He's never taking it off. It's well, going to be his new outfit forever. He does have some more formal attire at the end. You're right, you're right. As he tries to stand up to Bedlam. Uh, what? <laughs> Not going to happen. Not going to happen, Alex. We're on the same team, bro. Appreciate you. But watch out because every demon in limbo is here. I do like the the tactical call, right? As the X-Men are doing their, their crowd cleave formation for family. Just it's <laughs> this picture. It's this it's image. This, of... I'm smiling, but I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Petey boy, stop spinning, my sweet little Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Uh, I understand. I understand a lot of people that don't like it. You know, that they, they aren't feeling things. And, and I get that if you're looking for something else, then this might not be what you found. Right. Or, or you might not like what you found. But if you didn't have anything in mind and you're just like okay this is silly and a little fun fun. yeah i i agree that we're we're left at the end with kind of an unfair balance between the two main antagonists right the fact that maddie goes in one direction and ben is kind of forced into another but but there is a really good like explanation sort of of that in venom where i'm gonna just pull it up really quick she says, but Chasm and I wanted different things. In the end, I wanted to be whole, and he just wants the rest of the world to be as broken as he is. So it's like what I was saying of him really wanting to just dig into this evil side and make everybody else pay for how badly he feels. I, yeah, but see, I don't know, because I feel like maybe towards the end I started to get that, but that was really after he had already been kind of discarded mm-hmm. by his team, right? Because he... He wanted to be whole as well. Right. That was a main driving force is that he just wanted the memories that were missing from Peter. And I know that there's a point from Warline about the fact that 
Gene and or Maddie didn't do to Ben what they did for Right, and they Maddie, could have. I don't think they could have. If you think about the difference between what they're asking for, Maddie is just like, hey, give me the highlight reel of what I missed. Mm-hmm. What did I miss? I'm going to stop. Thomas gonna st- Jefferson's coming home. Cut, cut it out, Justin. <laughs> Let it go. Hamilton's been out for years. <laughs> but then, like, unless you backed up Peter, cloned him, and killed Ben, and then re... Because he's got pieces of his memory missing. He's got, like, brain damage done to him by the Beyond Corporation, mm. by the goo that transformed him. It's less of a, okay, let's copy Peter's memories and share that experience with him. It's more that he has a loss of identity. He has a loss of self. Which I think, like, when you say it like that and you really think about where the book ends, that it's because... For Maddie, it was an easy fix. It was like, here's a couple bit. This like, is what you here, want. Here's some vibes that you were missing. Right. Where here's a Phil Noto Ben, he needs to do like soul searching. He needs to figure out who he is as his own person. You know, I feel like Maddie sort of went through that with her journey with magic and her becoming the queen of limbo in her own sense. That was her finding her own identity. And she's had other years of continuity to sort of sort out who she is outside of being married to Scott. And, you know, whether she did it in a healthy or mature way is a different conversation. You're still shaking your head. It's the, it's the Indian bubble. It's the not yes, not no. But I just think like Ben needs time to to do soul searching in a sense and to rebuild himself and that's what that's what they're trying to provide him at the end of this that's why maddie isn't saying yeah off to jail with you because it's he has more to work out right well we got ahead of ourselves so let's let's take it back just a little bit as oh yeah well so peter's not doing a great job Fighting Chasm. And his butt kicked. Which is where the Petey Boy quote came in, which is where we left off. And friends come back. Oh, hey, great. People I already beat up before. Let's do it again. Miss Marvel and Gold Goblin are not here for your BS. They want to take you down. This spread, though. (sighs) Goblin Queen has returned. Likely one of my favorite spreads of the issue. Like, not even just talking about single reaction panels but just the this reclamation of her power and her underboob and just coming in hot <laughs> to tell you hey literally fiery hot this is mine these yeah. are my demons the scythe is only an extension of my power it is not a representative of what i can do and i also think like this moment for me was really cool because you know it's always talking about how madeline is essentially She's Jean, right? And we always see Jean have these like big power moments. And now we get to see Madeline have this explosive, fiery power moment. It's pretty dope. Yeah. The war rages on. The battle. The fight. Everybody going at it. <laughs> just never been more happy to see those pumpkin bombs. Just just bombs. Thanks. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's very triggering, Peter. Please don't say them. Please don't call them pumpkin bombs. We're past that point. And then just rec wrap again. Just, your arms are misshapen and stretching all over the place, miss. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. I love him. I love his ridiculousness. And we don't have to fight these demons anymore because they now bow down to Maddie and she's in charge. As we hit Chasm with the triple deck. And and Chasm makes a choice to 
to send Hallow's Eve away before she can get wrapped up in whatever the consequences of this at his actions are. Here. Right. She's got a miniseries she needs to go off to and find her own identity as a character. We'll find you later, maybe. Also, see you later, Eddie Brock. <laughs> yeah, he just he's just ripping left and right until the team up between Maddie and Magic to take away that scythe. You know, I don't need that power, but I would like that power. Getting that classic suit out of here and getting the new event suit back as... I lo- which i love which i'm glad because when she came back into her goblin queen outfit i was like oh but no that's the classic that's the that's i know the, it is the classic the but this is the this is the look of the queen of limbo i guess yeah that's true versus the goblin queen right and who not to be mistaken with queen goblin who we don't get any <laughs> resolution for and that is something that i maybe it'll continue in gold goblin mm-hmm. likely because that's really where that story is mainly focused. Right. But we, we kind of wrap things up as we get this citizen of limbo acknowledgement of Ben and the fact that Maddie's like, no, I'm, I'm going to take him. I'm going to care for him. I have something to do. This and- is my mess. Let me clean it up. She doesn't really phrase it that way, but it's essentially what she needs to do. I mean, so it is it is her mess, right? right. You know, like this chasm was on a thing. Maddie was also like, hey, I could be swayed to go crazy. I could do some stuff. Mm -hmm. They met up in that free comic book day issue and they just kind of went for it. Bravo, real Spider-Man. Bravo. It's just it's interesting because when I look at him here, he doesn't have that same maniacal rage that he has had over the last couple of Mm -hmm. issues and arcs. Right. So there has been a change and it's not done yet. So. To say, okay, he's not redeemed, but he's also not dead. So let's see where it goes next. He's been put on the shelf, and we'll find out in the further adventures of Ben Riley Chasm. Yeah, he's hanging out with Maddie at the Limbo Embassy, a.k.a. the Island of Misfit Toys. Right. With, you know, Havoc, who clearly has a new job hanging out with Madeline when she's working. Yeah, that's a continuous thing uh it's chasm while i'm working yeah but i do love that peter's still holding out for ben and still wants him to be redeemed still wants him to be returned that's what's awesome about peter parker man right he doesn't just give up on anybody and i'm so curious about this limbo embassy all right so like all these new yorkers are just unfazed by the fact that this is happening well let's let's be honest justin this event started in december and now in the book it's spring so it's been three months four months of this thing this tower existing in their city and after that first couple weeks like there hasn't been any crazy so they're like all right this is here now it's here and it's under control kind of they've accepted it but there is this little mailbox that's still talking oh yeah that's what i'm saying i don't think that the the limbo nature of it is confined to that tower. It's just also interesting to think about this across the hall or across the streets from the treehouse. The treehouse. Right. And and just how these are different embassies for other places and just what New York City is for the Marvel Universe. Like that is the ultimate combination of, of everybody's hideouts or yeah. big towers. You know, you got the Baxter building that's still there. I don't think Avengers Tower is still yeah, there. That's, that's what I'm saying. The people of New York, this is this is nothing for them. Next, Dark Web spins on or spins out into a handful of other things. 
to see where else we go to finish up the two tie-in minis that we started, Mary Jane and Black Cat and Gold mm, Goblin. I can't wait to get more Mary Jane and Black Cat because I, I got to tell you, when I was reading this, I was like, but what's going on with Belasco? Sure, yeah. Hollow's Eve going into her own mini, Red Goblin going into his own mini. And, you know, Spider-Man, X-Men, and Venom, they've got their Stuff. own stories happening elsewhere. What do you think about this? I really liked it. I thought it was really fun, and I like that it told a story without taking itself too seriously. Like, we could just have fun. We could wrap up this story and still joke and laugh and, and you know, have a good time. I think it's interesting the direction that Limbo is taking and that it's becoming instead of being a place where people who are lost like people are left lost in Limbo Limbo is acknowledging that it's a place for lost souls and trying, trying to, to work with, work with that yeah, right yeah. instead of people being trapped in Limbo they can like escape their entrapment with Limbo and I think that that's a cool turn for Limbo as a place in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And I like that Maddie is building a team essentially within that and that she can still be, there can still be demons and there can still be the Limbo-ness of it all while still having some redemption for Maddie as a character. Yeah. And I think that Ben is moving in a direction that isn't going to make him purely evil. And I, I'm interested to see where that goes, too. And I wonder if he'll stay a part of the limbo group, you know? Yeah, or if he's able to be redeemed to a sense where he can join whatever Hellions team that they're building mm -hmm. in this tower. Yeah, I see a lot of hate over this. And a lot of my thoughts have kind of peppered in throughout the conversation. I just, I've seen a lot of hate for this event for even just things in the asm run in general which i get it if that's not where you were looking for right but at the same time i have enjoyed a lot of pieces of this run and i think that this was some fun i do too uh, i think that that's what i like about the writing is that it's fun right especially concerning how ben is treated at the end like why does maddie get to be redeemed and not ben how come Jean can share her memories with maddie but not work with peter to share with ben when he's lost, what he's lost. And honestly, that's where I was for a bit a couple weeks ago, but I don't think it's that simple. And I was talking about this before, just he has holes in his mind, gaps in his memories, and his brain has been altered. Maddie was just gone for a couple of years and mm -hmm. wanted the cliff notes. And I, I like, I love the ridiculousness of this event. The It's silly, playful, and at times really funny. Like mm -hmm. I laughed out loud at Maddie's face mm -hmm. to Jean calling for them family and, and just anything Rick Rap says. Yeah. Just, all right, wall prancing, let's go. <laughs> I'm also a fan of where things end for Maddie and Alex, and I'm interested to see what else is in store for them. Like, is that something that's going to go into production in another title or into another event or something or is that going to be in the background brewing to then be played with later on i feel like you don't you don't establish something like that without an intention of where right. it goes next right you don't have like hey here's a giant tower of limbo and here's this team that we're slowly building we're not going to do anything with it I, just, I feel like that's hellions too i feel like that's where it's going i also like that alex he doesn't really ever want to be the front and center person you know so like i feel like He's he's very content to just be Maddie's assistant. Yeah. You know, he's happy now. Well, it gives him purpose and direction. He's not living in his brother's shadow. He's 
living at Maddie's side. Right, or her feet. Or her feet, yeah. <laughs> Step on me, please, Maddie. <laughs> Madeline, we're working. Ooh. 1407 Gray said, Dark Web is the best one. Best one of the week, he says. I really liked it. Yeah. Eric Huffman said the ending. Hmm. The setup end. Curious to see what kind of presence Maddie will have now. Will they be dark heroes? I hope to see more growth in their story. That's what I'm hoping for. Dark heroes. Yeah. I I feel like that's where we're leaning towards with this setup. And I would really like to see that explored in a place that we only have that in in flavors, right? To, Right. To have essentially a team to do that. That's why I keep on calling it Hellions too. And especially to have Zeb set this up. Yeah. I wonder if that's the intent. I also didn't know that dark heroes was like the term and it just, that's the words I've been looking for to describe this idea of like evil and good. Lethal protector. Yeah. That's (laughs) venom. Right. Right. Wise guy 73, 1701, what role do you think Maddie and Havoc will have in the future of Krakoa? Active or passive story? I think they're going out on their own. Yeah, I don't think they're they're Krakoa-centric anymore. I don't think they're Krakoa-limited. I think that they're going to have connections to Krakoa, mm-hmm. and especially just how can you not? Maddie and Alex are essentially the limbo version of Scott and Jean now that they're setting up. Yeah, right. And I wonder too, like... I feel like Maddie and Magic have a relationship of sorts that could kind of pop in and out. Right. So there's there's pieces. And I feel like there are other magic-wielding kind of dark characters that could lend themselves to this team, especially mutant-related. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about, I don't see what is happening next with Strange Academy. I don't know exactly what's happening next with Legion of X and maybe Pixie could lend her magic skills or Margali, mm. you know, Nightcrawler's foster mom. Like, where are these other characters potentially going to go in this idea of maybe not protecting the earth, but at least working within the earth against magical difficulties? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for it, for sure. Warline thinks that Dark Web is the worst event produced in the last decade. What about AXE. Well, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> Agree to disagree. I don't know. I don't know about that. But seriously, two people commit crimes to get stuff they want. One gets what she wants and the other doesn't. Gets imprisoned and his warden is his partner in crime. And I do agree that there is some confusion as to how that's the end result. Why Maddie is celebrated because at the end of that arc, she was like, oh, no, wait. I want to just peaceably get my memories and redeem myself and at that point ben had an opportunity to say okay which way do i turn he didn't get what he wanted so i understand where he turned and especially limbo corrupts your soul right whatever whatever soul he had going into this was affected even further by the manipulations of limbo and the dark energies and so i just i feel like it's not as simple as one went and got redeemed and the other was like, eh, kind of got the short end of the stick. But I do see value in this idea that the end result was not fair across the board. I agree with that. I think I get like he literally is in a prison. Like there's like a no more visitors situation happening at the end when Spider-Man comes, when Peter comes to see him. But I don't, in my mind, I don't think of Maddie as much as a warden 
as I do as like she's trying to help him find Steward. himself. Yeah. Like granted, yeah, he is he is definitely in a prison of sorts, but I think that it's it's not a, a it's not a punishment. Yeah. It's a like how do we help you get through what you're going through? Also, did you think this was worse than in humans versus X Men? I don't know. I didn't read that. Did you think this was worse than Death of Doctor Strange? <laughs> I was going through the last couple of years of events, just like these are the ones that I know that I read that I didn't really enjoy. I don't know. Mm. Hey, we're not here to tell you how to think. We're just sharing how we think and having conversations. Hundred percent. Right. Everyone's opinion is valid, and everyone is allowed to have different opinions. And now that's it's- why they're called opinions. What? This is the old saying, like opinions are like buttholes. What? Everybody has one and most of them stink. <laughs> I wonder what's inside your butthole. Hey, let's talk about X Force. Let's get okay. out of here. <laughs> let's talk about X Force. Oh, Who's the man with the peacock tattoo? I mean, you know his name, but you're like, wait, who but Oh, who I'm is he, infuriated <laughs> that that I can't uh we'll get there when we get there. Let's talk about this cover. Joshua Cassara. Love it. That sinister grin. Even a lot of people were saying like, oh man, this smile made them think. Because no one had the reveal on their bingo cards. No, I, I heard this from no one. Mm. I can say the Gene Janier, right? We, we can say. Yeah, so and I, it's, it's driving me bonkers because I know I've heard you say or someone say or in comics, I know I've heard the Gene Janier before. We have talked about the Gene Janier in The Road to Inferno and he was involved in the kind of descent of Maddie into madness. They captured Maddie from the outback because she had been with Jenny at the time, who was the Gene Engineer's son's girlfriend. Long story. The Gene Engineer is the person that created the mutate process. So Genosha, who he was a part of, and, and in this we get a little backstory of that. Mm-hmm. All of the inhabitants of Genosha were tested to see if they had the presence of the X-Factor gene. So if they tested positive, they were turned into mutates. So their memories were erased And their personalities were manipulated and changed to become completely obedient, basically warriors for the state. And he was using, this was the original vision or or creation of Genosha. And that's why the reclamation of Genosha, the the changing of that into a mutant paradise or or the intent to be a mutant Mm -hmm. paradise, not a mutant graveyard. That was the, the big flip of that. Does he have another name? David Moreau, that's his, his okay. real name, but no, not he, he is only in about 11 issues of continuity and most of them center around that story and then the extinction agenda that I was just talking but, about. But okay, so we we went through extinction agenda. No, you have not gone through an extinction agenda. You, we talked about the Gene Engineer in the lead up to Inferno and he is kind of involved in Inferno, not really, but then he's definitely involved and is a main focal point of extinction agenda which is the crossover after inferno we wouldn't have i just that's what was driving me bonkers was like i was like i know the word gene engineer i know that name but i couldn't place what his actual name was and i thought 
for some reason that that was going to help me uncover the mystery of who he was. No dice. Knowing that name. But that's not the case. So let's dig into this page turn noise. We got a mission start with some Deadpool on standby. Oh my God, freaking Deadpool. I laughed so many times in the first few pages of this issue. I love everything about it. People say it used to be blue and bouncy. I don't know if I see it. (laughs) Is it true? Uh, I just love the way he kind of pushes the screens aside and he's like hey guys um i knew you told me to wait but like i'm kind of bored you're looking for murder stuff please and then goes back to domino and omega red and he's just like um mom and dad said to just sit tight and this whole exchange of like let's figure out what what's our x-force thing well and also just what's going on with omega red as he stares into this wall this krakoan wall something that apparently is not board of comics approved or whatever right right (laughs) but i just i do love that through all of this with omega red as deadpool's like x-force 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 and then they throw he throws him away and then he just says (laughs) 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 x-force it's so good i love it i love their dynamic i love how domino's just not having any of it is this our fastball special because that would be so precious it's just it's a lot of fun and good energy popping off while sage and beast are doing serious business in the other room and domino goes okay you know what i need to go play with the serious people yeah but they're doing serious business that Beast is still the worst. This self-congratulations of his ideas and how, oh no, it's quite ingenious, this tracking device that I implanted into this egg. Sage's logistics are never wrong, fur boy. Like, you messed up. Yeah, exactly. And And he's like, what do you mean? You must be doing something wrong, Sage. And Domino has a memory play. Like, we're going to go through this together and uncover the archives of my backups. Which I love. She's like, I'm willing to take one for the team. Right. But before we dig into that, we've got to get to our title page. Evil Seed. Unmasked. Written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Robert Gill. Colors, Guru EFX. Letters, Joe Caramagna. BC's Joe Caramagna. Joshua Cassara and Dean White on the cover. Oh, a little story time in Papa's lab. That crazy lab. Again, Stranger Things. Like, Papa. Like, that. this just giving Mm -hmm. me all sorts of... Stranger Things vibes. Yeah, that their relationship and even his story gives me Stranger Things vibes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows that Beast didn't just lose the egg. Yeah. I, that is a clear point. Like, how is well, that just going to... obviously, gonna, yeah, they're not just going to lose an egg. Unless unless there was someone that came in or a backstory that you know, Craven the Hunter came in and was like, hey, I stole this and now I want to sell it, which is out of character for Craven, but... I just the fact that he uses Max to do this great telepathic work and, and it's like you're not going to chop me up into little pieces, are you? Because I I hear it in your mind. I think that you're going to do it. And that's what you're always thinking about is the sadness in your head. Tell me about that, Papa. Papa. Zeno logbook on this data page studying to make technological breakthroughs. The egg and Max are the keys. And we get a little answer as to how Max has grown to where he is. Which I appreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good context. I think that was necessary because I feel like the fact that you have a year of real time happening in the comics with the Hellfire Gala and yet Max has aged into <laughs> a least, teenager. Yeah. Like, 
from a, a from young, a baby. He has aged at least ten to twelve years. But there's bonding happening between the Peacock Man and Max. They're wearing matching outfits. It's so adorable and sadistic. And the Peacock Man gives Max this story about his childhood, and Max is like, "Fibs, lying. You tell me the truth. I tell you a happy story about a father teaching and and science in this beautiful island. (laughs) That's a fib. I'm a telepath. You can't lie to me, Papa. But first, we've got to get some memories inserted into Domino's brain. And I love how Beast is like, oh, it's just so good for you to take one for the team. Let me just inject you with this pain real quick. Just for the good of the nation. Oh, Beast, you Russian warlord. Do you <laughs> not understand what you sound like right now? Yeah, he's the worst. Not wanting to involve a telepath and have a direct upload. Only me going through that pain. Like, Domino. That like, is, Domino, you're the best. Yeah. That's a, a well-deserved soldier trying to trudge through for the good of the team. And you know I love seeing this, these flashbacks. Yeah, this was a great page. Shout out to the art team. This Just these weaving memories, something similar that we saw with Moira and with Emma and like the, the revelations of lives and, mm-hmm. and past memories downloaded. And just I love that she gets the snippet of i want to remember everything do you promise me peter and to know that she didn't remember any of it Mm -hmm. and so i feel like that's going to be a followed up point and mikhail oh yeah and what's going what what happened his face it's just mikhail's face is it or did the peacock man take some of him too oh that'd be interesting Mm Hmm. you would have to do it willingly yeah, and I don't think that he would mind. Yeah, well, especially for the betterment if, of Russian mutants. Sure, right. Yeah, if you're gonna use that and and manipulate my power into your little crockpot of madness. Mm-hmm. This it's interesting. This semantics conversation of whether they're mutants or not, and the willingness that the Peacock Man has to build these quote unquote mutant soldiers. Yeah. But we get the intel that we were looking for. Genosha. That's where the big lab is. And. What is he but a clone of someone else? Clones on top of clones on top of clones in this world. Yeah, tell the real story as clone children are grown in this lab. I but warn he's got you. two real sons. Yeah, so Philip I've known before. He was in those stories that we were talking about previously. But I never knew about Thomas, his other son. And just, Thomas, just sadness. Thomas? Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> he's not coming home i'm pretty sure he dies sorry thomas oh maybe that's why i never knew who thomas was yeah because he dies but just make it out the sadness of this like he used to hold himself up by the bars to see outside to just look out the window and that was the only joy he got to experience and now he is the legacy of the gene engineer yeah there's such a it's a random deep cut, but I appreciate it. I think it's just the fact that you have added another mutant-hating scientist. Well, that's the idea, right? We're building the, the roster. Rogues. We're taking them all, baby. Right. Each, it's each the one. history of X-Men coming together. We have a couple of comments and questions about the fact that, like, okay, this this reveal, but did we need to wait three years for it? And I think that, that is a little bit of, like, a okay. And primarily... I think that it's because Krakoa extended, mm-hmm. right? So 
this long game story that Ben has been working on wasn't meant to be as long as it ended up being. It's just the fact that they wanted to stretch things out and explore more of Krakoa, add some more titles. And now, as we're wrapping up into the fall of X, I wonder what is going to happen with this title. So do you think that disappointment and saying, did we need to wait three years for this? Do you think that comes from people, just the fact that the engineer was only in, like you said, 11 issues of continuity, and it's not as surprising of a reveal as people were expecting it to be? I don't know who else, like, I think it's more just the fact that people were strung along for these three years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there could have been any other reveal that made would have made it feel satisfying. Yeah. Right. So what else, who else could it have been that you'd be like, Oh wow, it's been that guy. Like, I, I think the fact that now that we've revealed that this guy who did some terrible things to mutants now has the ability to continue to do terrible things with mutants. If he's not enlisted in Orcus, he's about to be. Right. Or the fact that he's connected through Mikhail, who is another growing force of anti-mutant power. Yeah. But also using mutant power, which I think is an interesting split of ideology. I mean, the U-men are doing the same thing. Sure. But... The U-Men are not working with a mutant tyrant. Like, Mikhail is a mutant and building mutant Russia. Right. And I feel like that's the big difference. That's the big question mark. Well, thanks to Domino's memories, we know we know that he's on Genosha. Right. So we're going. But I do... Let's just talk about this data page real quick. The intent of the Genegineer's work. Grafting mutation onto humans, which if you think about Fei Long, if you think about Orcus, if you think about all of the things that Stasis was doing, all of the things that the U-Men are doing, like mm-hmm. this is the wheelhouse of the villains that have been building up. This fits in the story of Krakoa. Yeah. The fact that we wiped away all of the villains that were previously, except for Sinister and a couple others. So now we have to build up with strength some other threats that actually have some potential to be scary or to be powerful. Mm-hmm. And the the point that the random chance of mutation, this chaotic aberration, I will build the perfect final specimen, an Omega Man, to be able to control what factors are going into the offspring of their creation. It's crazy. Our hit team heads out. Going towards Genosha, the Comics Code Authority. The fact that Omega Red grossed out Deadpool makes me really curious. That's a lot. That's concerning. If you can make Deadpool uncomfortable, what did you say? Yeah. And let's see Genosha's aftermath from Empire X-Men, this secret lab base hidden inside as the ship is attacked by these fleshy weirdos. Yeah, I don't like them. These are are the, the unfinished project of... Do we call him the Gene Engineer? Do we still call him the Peacock Man? I don't know what we call him. Mr. Peacock? Gene- nope. What? <laughs> I was just going to mix names and I was going to call Gene him. Cock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Pete, the Engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh goodness. Okay. I'm I'm happy that Max kind of realizes like, "Oh, okay. No, I'm I'm going to be exactly what you were." To your not papa. Right. Like how I'm do you just another experiment? I'm out. Yeah. And and so is this guy. The the Pigeoneer. <laughs> I can't I can't say it seriously. Pigeoneer. Pigeoneer. <laughs> it doesn't help. 
Uh, well, it doesn't matter because what he has birthed from his egg is some kind of crazy combination of every mutant that he's been able to get his hands on, which yeah. oddly is just X Force, I guess, because they've sent in all of these uh, attack squads. Yeah. He's got some Domino. Omega Red. He's got some Beast. He's Kid got some Wolverine. Kid Omega. Colossus. It's not looking good. No Sage, though. No. Well, I don't know that she really has a power signature that you might be able That's to visible, yeah. recognize. And also, she's always in the base. Behind the desk. Next. Ooh. Where monsters dwell. What do you think? I really like this issue a lot. Yeah. I mean, it had so much going on. It had great witty banter and humor. It had moments where I wanted to punch Beast in the face. It gave us uh, moving forward in the story. Great character moments for Domino. I mean, I was frustrated because I thought there would be more. I thought there's supposed to be more to the Gene Engineer, but apparently I knew everything I needed to know. You know, I, I thought it was a great issue. Well written, great art, good pacing. Yeah, I thought it was solid. I mean, I get that people were disappointed by this reveal, but honestly, I asked it before, but who would have made it better other than maybe having it happen sooner? Or it being one of the Sinisters. Sure, right, which I knew it wasn't, but I think that it's interesting that it comes out at the same time with Legion of X, mm -hmm. that it just, timing-wise, would have not made sense to have it be the heart Sinister. But I could see, like, the whole genetic altering of sure. it all definitely... I mean, when you think about who the heart sinister is in relation, like when, if you, if regardless of writer or anything like that, if I was to present to you and say these two characters, one of them is a sinister, I think my gut would say it would be the Peacock Man. Sure, but he's too similar to Stasis. Like his MO is too similar to what Stasis is doing. And the whole split of these different parts, these right, different right. inclinations, they're all intent to be on different paths. Right, but you can understand why the same way like everyone thought it was Mephisto at the end of WandaVision. When you build this thing up in your head is like it's going to be this big thing, you're let down by it not being that thing, even if it is still a cool reveal. You know, you like you think about it, this is a character that has an impact sure. right this the gene engineer has an impact on mutant history and you think that they're dead and they're there's not a possibility for them to come back because they're not a mutant so they can't be resurrected and then we find out that there's this whole other layer to their story and if you look at it in that in that respect like it is still a really cool reveal it's just there's been so many ridiculously epic reveals in the last few months that sometimes it that dilutes sure. the potency of of another reveal you know yeah i just think that the gene engineer's line of work fits in with this model this idea mm -hmm. of trying to perfect powers and the manipulation and the usage of powers to look at it reflectively on the issues that we've read so far and to see like, okay, that that's kind of what he was doing, what David Moreau was doing initially. And I think it's interesting too that he doesn't see like the way the way that Max runs away. It's like you don't see how you're doing exactly the same thing. And it's a nice moment to like point out like, dude, you are your dad. Yeah, like you 100%. are your dad. You think that you're 
this other thing. Like, I don't know, getting your revenge on him in some way, but you've actually become him. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it was a deep pull. The fact that we've talked about he's only been in 11 issues or so, most of them from the late 80s. But he did have a huge influence on the Genosian government and was a big driver into Extinction Agenda, which is a great event. Deadpool continues to add humor in an otherwise very serious issue. And Omega Red is a Russian doll of mysteries, just one layer after another. The domino plot was really great. I thought this did a lot of work juggling each character's story and Mm -hmm. where they were at. I agree. Fake Torta said that Peacock Man reveal would be good if done after a year, not waiting three plus in 38 issues. Underwhelming, which a couple of people say underwhelming. Like, I, I understand where you're coming from. But at the same time, I don't think this was the intent to have it come in issue 38. Mm-hmm. And I just I maybe maybe it would have been different. Maybe. But I think that the timing of all the sinister reveals and just all the other stuff that's been going on that's like been jaw dropping just makes this feel reveal fatigue right Wise but Gu- i think it's still cool wise guy 73 1701 i'm a new ish fan what should i know about the gene engineer and hopefully we've talked about this we've answered that a little bit mm. there's not much else to know about <laughs> him honestly i i'd look up extinction agenda and a couple of other of the issues that lead into that but that'll give you your your core of his story Eric Huffman, the big reveal of Peacock Man was way better than he was thinking. Clone of that nutball from Genosha. <laughs> that trouble, the trouble he can cause, like father, like clone. Mm-hmm. He's fooling, thinking he's any different. Which That's I, I, right, Eric. That's right. 100%. You see it in his face, in his messed up face. Warline said that the X-Force reveal was underwhelming. We spent three plus years of... The reveal of the Peacock Man to be a clone of a character who roughly appeared 11 times in comics. Mystery not worth the time invested by us or the creative team. Yeah, I guess I I would really like to know what would make it worth it for people. Right. Like, is it, if it had been Graydon Creed, would that have been worth it? I don't know. Because, like, if you think about who has the inkling to do this type of work, it just makes sense. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just trying to think, like... Is the disappointment because of the I think it's, it's the mainly lineage driven, of the character because they only he only has eleven issues? No, or? I think it's because of the amount of time it took to get here. Which, so it doesn't matter who it would be. I don't no think, matter what, you'd be disappointed. I think so. It, then that's that's the question I've been asking right. the whole issue. Like, could it have been anyone else that you would have been excited if it was Cameron Hodge? Right. Which you know, ridiculous and not really in his line of character, but would that be better? Right. Or if he was a sinister, would would the wait be worth it because this is when all the sinisters are getting revealed, so it makes sense. Sure. You know? Right. Interesting. Yeah. Planet X-Men really liked the X-Force reveal. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. I thought it just, it adds a really interesting villain to the deck. Mm-hmm. A.M. Friedrich, that last page in X-Force is one of the most badass drawings I've ever seen. Yeah, it's that pretty Omega sick. Man. To be able to be an artist to say like, hey, we would like you to make a mashup character that is not necessarily a chimera of all of these mutants together but like someone just smushed all of them together into one monster it's like you took legos and mashed (laughs) them together made your own lego man like that has to be a fun project to get handed on to our final book of the day is that way you're (sighs) just dreading the fact that it's here it's staring at you in the face okay here we are 
Legion of X. Number 10. Number 10. I mean, it's an absolutely gorgeous cover. Yeah. Like I've been staring at it for a little absolutely while. Absolutely gorgeous. And only notice now the fact that Rogue and Gambit are here attacking mm. this Nimrod. Ben Harvey for the win on this. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. And with that, we'll dig in. <sighs> Page turn noise. This is the saddest page turn noise ever. I'm the saddest human ever. Attack and no defense from the astral plane because Xavier's folly last issue revealed to Ruth the fact that he he is upfront with what he has done to Legion and how it is completely taking him off of his game. The literal key to saving. the mystery of my the quote unquote mystery of my disdain for Charles Xavier is laid out here in this issue. Yep. This I'm going to assume that I know you and what you will do and I know better than you and so I'm going to do this thing because I have assumptions about you and I'm never wrong, Charles Xavier. Oh snap, I'm wrong. But <laughs> I can't save you because I have my to people. save everyone else. And my, my people. people, my son will understand that I sacrificed him even though I basically, you know, did this to him because my people. Yeah. So I got to go. Sorry, Ruth. My people over my son, the Charles Xavier story. You know? <laughs> Think about this issue and this setup in contrast to Immortal X-Men 10 mm -hmm. and the way that he's doing that monologue about how Oh, the evils of people and I see the potential evils of people and I've prepared for it and I have all this other and sometimes it's a little bit projecting too much. That's the thing is like it's it's arrogance. It's the assumption that you know better than everybody else. That that's the thing that rubs me the wrong way. But I I see that. But I also see the concern because of history and because of a repetition of action. And because of the instability of Legion's power. Right. But if you're talking specifically in this instance, your dream that you created outside of or from your original dream was this place where everyone has a second chance. Yeah. He's and never, he's never given that. not giving that to him, not to even David once. at all. Not even one time. Not even in Way of X. Like there has been no. And like David, like how are you going to, how are you going to act like you had no idea what the greatness of the astral plane was? Like. Uh, and and the this was the altar it's right different, yeah. but like you know like kurt has been talking about it blindfold has been talking to you about it like other people have been coming to you and saying this and you can see that it's becoming a haven for your people and yet you can't even wrap your head around the fact that your son is is capable of this greatness. Well, and especially, you know, I wonder timelines of X-Men Unlimited versus this and to have sent curse to the altar to be able to work through stuff. Right. When did that come out? Right. Ah, uh, but anyway, we have to go, we have to sit through his journal we entry. Have to listen so. to, yeah. Hey, I'm terrible. And here is my attack description. Like I, I get the concern, especially after past experiences, but come on, man, you didn't even, you didn't listen to anyone. Ruth yeah. came to you. Like, why would why would that be a manipulation? Maybe it was a psychic entity that Legion created. Is that what you were thinking? And these are the moments when I'm like, Charles, you really don't understand love. To say under these circumstances, 
Preparing contingencies for David's neutralization is, in a very real way, the truest expression imaginable of my love for him. <sighs> Ew. I, yeah, no, it's I'm, I'm not trying to spin it in a positive way, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, so how would I, if I was Charles Xavier, how might I try to understand what that is? It, in a sense, is a version of Charles trying to save David from himself, but at the same time making everything that much worse. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I know you have, there's no approaching you in any of this. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate of it. No. And I hear what you're saying. It's just in, it's just trying to save David from himself with the assumption that he needs to be saved from himself, you know? Sure. So, Anyway, let's move on with this comic because, you know, we could stay on this topic for the whole conversation. So let's go to the title page. Abandonment issues. Among Us Stuck the Sentinels. Written by Cy Spurrier. Pencils by Nito Diaz. Inks by Sean Parsons and Alvaro Lopez. Colors by Java Tartaglia and Ruth Redman. Letters Clayton Coles. He sees Clayton Coles. Ben Harvey on that beautiful cover. We've got multiple stories happening, though. Classic Legion of X. <sighs> I mean, classic comics. We've yeah. always got multiple stories. And one of them is this this craziness that's going on with this infection of sorts that's taken over Krakoa, that's taken over Warlock, that's infecting all of the mutants in their dreams. Something bad's happening, and we need to stop it. But that's just a distraction as Lost finds the memory chip and remembers Zabi, remembers Forget-Me-Not. And the fact that he reveals and is still alive that there are sentinels inside of Krakoa, inside the Babel Spire. He's created the astral attack as a distraction. He's hacking Warlock, taking over the island, learning to grow things because of Warlock's connectivity to the island throughout the fact that Nimrod is able to synthesize with Warlock and understand how far that stretches into the natural biology of Krakoa. So we got to go inside. Got to get in there. Who's going to get us in there? How are we going to do it? I just, I love, like, I just want you to smash it, you idiots. <laughs> like, how are you are like this macho team of break stuff, and you're like, oh, well, we can't, we can't break that thing. Just break it. Ride Juggernaut like the wind, Bullseye. <laughs> A ghost rider and his steed. <laughs> As we catch up with Nightcrawler, our third thread, our third really separate thread. His mom is like, just be the demon that you know you are. <laughs> just embrace the darkness, son. Just wind that way. You've tasted death so many times. You've toyed with resurrection. You think you know what the spark is. It's just evil in you, baby. <laughs> he just lashes out. The fact that he's like, I'm not a monster, but also I'm going to murder your throats. <laughs> I'm not a monster i'm just ripping your head off there's a difference as we catch back up on the astral strike what legion could do for the phalanx the fact that if they were to take over his power yeah we'd be toast sure that's the end baby charles with a little too little too late rebound as he comes back 
he's like, oh, well, no, my people are actually my son. Crazy. Or I just realized that if I don't save my son, I everyone's gonna kill die. all the people. And I love that he says, do you trust me? And Legion's like, no. no but I know that this not. is the only way to save everyone. So go for it. I love this recognition of Legion's overwhelming power, the chaos, the the just flood in Charles's hands. It gets to a nice point, but damn it, Charles, you're, you're the worst. You're just the worst. Yeah, I'll say nothing else. Okay. He acknowledges the strength and beauty of Legion's power. And, and the creation of the altar, which mm-hmm. I think is just a nice end, but a terrible route to take to get there. As we check in with Mother Righteous, who is just watching everything from afar. She's like, oh, these fools over here messed up, but at least my little ghost rider friend is doing. Uh, Okay, well. We're not supposed to share powers, you guys, but come on. How Uh, can you not? Probably one of the best pages of the week. I I love it so much. Team Juggernaut, vote Juggernaut. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, but. This was epic. I don't know. Is, is this is this retained? Is he able to summon the the spirit in some way? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he's just spirit by proxy right now. Yeah. But I love it. They break through and they are about to fight the Sentinels, but they're all adaptoids. You know, they're all able to see the powers that they need to defeat and find ways around it. And there's only one thing that can be done. Well, my defenses are corrupted. Self-collapse. Self-collapse soon. It's just the calling out. I don't, I can't, I can't talk about it. Okay. So I just, I I need that. (laughs) It's too painful. What are you talking about? Like I, Warlock was one of my favorite new mutants. And I just, I, maybe it's just the jaded nature of comics and knowing that, you know, it, just in the same way that Magneto will be back, Warlock Listen, will likely find his way back. stabbed me in the heart multiple times. Magneto, if you think about it, the two of them died, right? The way that all great deaths happen in sacrifice for their people. Valiantly. But this, there's something about someone pleading for their loved one to just end them. So that the suffering can be over to save everybody. Not only like Magneto died, but he put himself out there to die. He didn't have to die. Like no Storm didn't have to kill him. Sure. Doug has to kill Warlock. And it's just the way like I don't know what it is about Warlock, but he had he holds a special place in my heart. And that's good. I just, I literally just started crying before he was even dead. From just just the moment of him saying, end me, that's it. I, that's it. Tears. Instant tears. Nimrod has this failsafe. There's a a system break in event of software software capture. He's learning about everything from the death of Magus, from this attack on to Krakoa. We have to somehow eject the Nimrod parasite and prevent him from seizing Krakoa. And Doug can't do it, which I totally understand. Of course he can't do it. Like this, this is Team Supreme. It's too late. The self-defense is breaking. Please, self-friends, anyone, end me. Oh, and I mean, like, I would say, forget me not, also kind of tragic too, because his power, the nature of 
the sacrifice, the fact that no one even knows that he's died. Right. Because no one can remember him. Because Lost loses her little earpiece in the explosion. So she was the only one who had any inkling of remembering that he was there. And he... He too sacrifices himself to save everyone, and no one even remembers it. And everyone walks away saying, "There, you know, no losses." Because, I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, I know that they're what they're saying. Oh, Warlock's a program, and he's lost somewhere, and we'll find him. But will we? And even if we do, it doesn't erase the pain that I felt in reading the issue. I mean, also knowing that Warlock has died before. Didn't know that. So there you go. But that sacrifice play from Forget Me Not and just the damage that it does to Doug, I feel, is the part that will continue to reverberate in Krakoa. You know, we're, we're yes. talking about the impact on Doug and on Warlock, but Krakoa is linked to both of them. Right. And to have this emotional devastation and also just all of the influences that have been wrapped around Krakoa between the pit, between Nimrod, Technogan, Sabretooth, yeah. Wolverine, Sinister, like all, all of these different things. How is that going to affect? Is that what's leading to Fall of X? I think there's a lot of things leading there's to Fall so of X personally. There's so many things. It's but, a ripple effect, really. Yeah. That's going to be an event. As we get this data page, given as a, a play-by-play of this Nimrod, so this wasn't our... Our prime Nimrod, right? So he has the ability to split himself into multiples. Mm -hmm. And he sent this part of himself on this attack to be able to infiltrate Krakoa. He was able to fuse with Warlock, which was also fused with Krakoa. And then through Warlock, studied Krakoa. Through him, I studied mutant dynamics, their gates, I have hacked their gates. So I feel like that's something that's going to play out yeah, that's, much further down the line. We, the team thinks they they solved the problem, but it's a deeper problem than they know. It's all about that long game. As we catch back up with Margali and the fight, the sadness, the manipulation, the soul sword. It's just about that money, honey. It's about that money, but it's also about the, the strength and power that you have within you and the fact that you have something that I could take from you. You have this light within you and this this part of you that you had given up previously that I can use to manipulate, to to turn that void within you into a spark to light the world and that in the right hands that is the strongest magic there is. Pure heart, like, like something that actually is well-intended mm-hmm. versus her winding way back and forth of good versus evil all wrapped up in herself. Not a soul blade, not some dreary weapon of fanaticism or faith. The hope sword. Which is interesting because she's, ba- she's essentially taking all of Nightcrawler's hope away, which turns him into the full version of this demon so this idea that through his his Krakoan era life, he's trying to fight for this idea of hope and change, but he keeps getting j- it's jaded, right? He's he's not 
reaching it. He's unsure of what it really is. And so his questioning of that hope and that faith is what's really turning him into this demonic version of himself. And when she just completely strips him of that, that's when he turns he loses fully, fully bad, fully right. crazy. Well, I mean, you just look at these three panels, the spikes on his tail and the progression of their growth quickly mm-hmm. and just the amount of spikes growing on his hand. And then even on this last page as Mother Righteous is approaching to him, the horns growing out of control, his his suit ripped to shreds as we get our big reveal. She's the heart, baby. Oh, uh, who said that? Um, I think that was you. I think it was. I think it was a lot of people too, but still. But here in this house... You said it first. Fervently. And you stuck to it. I did. How did you feel when your uh, prediction was correct? It's interesting because... Did you have the same feeling I had as Dr. Stasis? I don't think so. Just because I... Dr. Stasis felt more like a a wild card, like Mm -hmm. an unknown, because that was the first, right? Right. And even, even Orbis, I had been saying that a couple of people have been saying that too, that didn't feel as much of a surprise. I just felt like I had more questions looking at this and just the difference of this version of Sinister. I mean, she doesn't look anything like him. She No red eyes. She has in previous comics had red eyes, but in this image she doesn't. Her heart is also surrounded by all these other embellishments that the others don't have. And... I understand that she is in a sense like collecting and manipulating, but at the same time, when you look at the other three, you know, like Orbis was actually creating producing yeah. things and, and so is Stasis and so is Sinister. She she's just so different than the three of them. I'm just I'm really intrigued and I, and honestly I had hope for her that she was actually not evil. I don't so know, be- I wonder. Because I do feel it. Like, think back to the times, the visions that she's shown, the, the way that she has transformed Banshee, the way that she tried to appeal to Legion, this vision of this nightmare with him at the council and this dark future. It's just a different deck of cards that she's playing with, right? Yeah, I know. But everything that Banshee has done while he's been... Her spirit of variance, like, has been good. Well, it's because he's fighting it. Like, he's he's not just her minion. In the same way that Legion didn't accept that promise. Mm-hmm. So, are we saying that Nightcrawler accepts something from Mother Righteous here, and is one of the reasons why he's turned? Is Mother Righteous working with Sinister in Year Ten by that time already? The fact that Nightcrawler somehow makes his way back to Sinister and is on a leash yeah, at that no, moment. I, that's a great question. I mean, yeah, this this really is a... I mean, even from the moment that you said that you thought that she was a Sinister, I I just questioned it. I just don't... It doesn't come as, like, clearly to me, but I think that that's also a good thing. Like, I think we shouldn't have all the answers. We shouldn't understand it completely because then there would be no need for the story to be told. Sure, right. Yeah, if if the audience can predict where the story is going, then it's not doing exciting and different things. Right. Follow Nightcrawler and Mother Righteous into Sins of Sinister number one and be sure to catch the finale in X-Men Before the Fall, Sons of X number one, out in May, which is, I think, 
blatantly saying that Legion of X is not coming back after this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know in the same way that Way of X was the five issues and now this is 10 issues. I wonder if Sons of X is Legion, Nightcrawler, and Warlock. Hmm. Because they they keep bringing up Warlock's war- dad. Magus, yeah. And, and that instance of his death was in this story. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, I, what, what did you think about this issue? I mean, I know emotional impact aside like the the content of the story i actually felt like i understood this issue more than i've understood maybe any issue of that's Legion great of X. that's great so that's that's a positive i i did enjoy it yeah. i liked it i feel a lot of things i i really wasn't expected to be hit so hard by all of the warlock and i just like i was like oh snap but also like what is this mean <laughs> with the mother righteous reveal so yeah it's it's still a huge unknown even yeah. if even if, like that was on a bunch of short lists right of who could have been the other sinister right because they're because like you had said a couple weeks ago it had to be someone who was around in our faces right now in right. the books like, it just couldn't just be wild some card. random wild card and just the fact that Cy Spurrier is the third person working on Simpsons Sinister. It just makes sense that it would come. Like, it makes a lot more sense than the book that Ben Percy is writing, not involved at all in Sins of Sinister. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the Gene Engineer, if if the Peacock Man pulled off his mask and a version of Mikhail was underneath, okay, yeah, I I would get that. Yeah, you know, some people were saying, what if it was some like twisted version of Beast or right? You know, like that. Okay, yeah. Get it. But that's what I'm saying, not to go back to that too much, but that's what I'm saying about people feeling disappointed by it because they may have built up these other ideas of who it could be in their head and it wasn't who they thought or who they expected. So it didn't feel satisfying. Sure. Yeah. But this just feels like... I've got more questions. I'm so confused and conflicted. And like, I like the idea that one of them is a lady, but... (laughs) She just seems so different than the rest of them, which is good. But then you think back to like, like take it back to the basement lair of the original Nathaniel Essex and the these tubes. And like, did he create this red-skinned, white-haired lady? Or did the heart sinister go on some kind of crazy journey to get here? Well, I mean, that's so... Thinking about, we have a question that kind of led me to some of those ideas. The fact that it's been a hundred years mm-hmm. since that was discovered, or more, right? That they found all of these different abilities, all of these different instances of Nathaniel Essex. The amount of time and the amount of leading down a different path, how that changes someone. The fact that they could just the same be making iterations of themselves mm-hmm. right they could just be doing the classic sinister thing where they've got clones too yeah i really like this issue it was a lot going on the whole story of it was almost too much to juggle and and sets up even more that i don't understand without binging <laughs> the series again like i, I kind of want to start from the beginning and just read through it to get an idea of what's going on before Nightcrawlers starts. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, yeah, what will happen to Warlock or, or even to Nimrod and how he's being infused into everything. Yeah. And the knowledge that he now is able to report back to Orcus. Right, because how much of Warlock was actually in Krakoa? So how much, how deep does the virus of Nimrod go? Well, I don't know if, if the virus is still there or if it's been purged. There was a lot of talk about purging, but... It was still able to learn a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much it seems by that data page, it was able to report that knowledge back to the prime. And be re-uploaded. Yeah. Curl said, these last few issues of Legion have blown me away. A hope sword? What does it mean? Yeah, what does it mean? Double rainbow. (laughs) I just feel like it gives you such an interesting new thing to define for what that could be. Mm-hmm. And how it could be used, and especially in Margali's hands. Yeah, like what's she gonna do with it? She gonna try to go be good with a hope sword? I feel like how are you gonna do evil with a hope sword? Yeah, suck the hope out of people. Maybe sons of X. You think about how Way of X was often considered the the offshoot of that X Men issue, right? Mm-hmm. The X Men Seven, and that was the first time that we see Warlock. Right, he's sitting in that chair across yeah. from Doug. Cyclops is like, "Wait, did I? No, I didn't." Right. Right. So it's always been those three. So I 100% I believe that Sons of X has to do with Warlock. Yeah. As I well hope as so. as well as Legion and Nightcrawler at the main forefront because they're actually on the cover too. Also, like, does does Nightcrawler get the Hope Sword back because it comes of him? So is it going to be like his Soul Sword, like Ileana? He can just call it to Summon him. It, right? When he needs it, because you got to think if that sword is of his essence, it's best wielded by him. Sure. Yeah. Well, Curls also desperately wants to know how the heart sinister made her way in the world. Like, will sins tell us? Yeah, I freaking hope so, but I she's, bet not. <laughs> I don't know. She's on covers. Like, she's on covers of Nightcrawlers. Mm. So, and there has been hints about the fact that the other sinisters play into this story. Well, and that's even good. Just the the one shot on the other end, the fact that they all somehow are aware of the loss experiences experienced through Sins of Sinister. It's interesting too because I know that it's likely that she wasn't on that cover because she wasn't yet revealed. Mm-hmm. But to to also think, is there a juxtaposition between her and the other three? Sure. He's still holding out for her to be a hero. I just, I don't know. Some I'm holding out <laughs> for a hero. Gonzalo is loving how the jokes remain. Before with Zabi, like, who are you? Wait, yeah. wait, who are you? And then now Nemesis still calculating pi oh my on, God. That, on that panel. He was still going with those numbers. Yeah, can't stop it, won't stop it. Eric Hoffman admits that he had to read some stuff twice in Legion of X, but he liked this one the best. Oh, I always have to read some stuff twice in Legion of X. It's true. I'll read like a whole page and I'll go, what? Excuse me, what did yeah. I just read? I mean, I, re- I read everything multiple times just for getting more bang for my buck, more enjoyment out of it. But Yeah. No, this is literally like I stared at words and my brain did not compute and it, yeah. I need to read the sentence over again. Yeah. He's calling out the awesome Banshee. Can't call him by his new name, but riding a hellfire juggernaut. Yeah. So and, dope. And just feeling so bad for forget me not. Dang, dude, saves the island and no one is going to remember. That I felt like was not as emotionally impactful as Warlock. I feel like that was the the gut wrench, but it's comparable. But in, and when you think about it too, it's like... It stings even more when you think about it the second time because 
because you don't think about it so much. Right. Like you, Nobody you're thinking knows. so off so intensely about what happened to Warlock that you're like, oh yeah, and also forget me not died. But nobody knows. Right. And nobody even remembers he exists. So how does he get resurrected? He doesn't. That's unless it. you He's uh, done. unless you regroup with X Factor and, and Fleet Seeds or Yeah. However the scans of cerebro unless yeah, like someone... nobody's gonna be like oh hey this guy is dead because we need to resurrect him because nobody even remembers he exists someone has to have one of those earpieces still in their ear i mean maybe maybe pixie does where's she at yeah that's true well she's dead yeah that's true <laughs> oh man it's not looking good for him am friedrich good call on mother righteous but she's very different than the others what sinister attributes do you see in her or is the heart symbolism suggesting maybe she's not as evil as the others? Right. And here's the thing. I didn't see any, like thinking back on it, I really didn't see a lot of sinister qualities to her except in this issue. The way she was talking, her dialogue in this issue, some of the offhanded things that she says about, you know, like puppeting people and I don't know, just like just some of her demeanor just felt a little bit more like that quippy sinisterness. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't get that from her in many other issues. Uh, she definitely has a different characterization, right? Mm-hmm. She comes in initially with a, a very cockney accent that seems to have gradually faded away over the issues and But it's coming in hot in this one. Sure, right, right, right. I feel like the the sinisterness of it is the orbs, right? The the fact that she is connected to, and also the the offering of potential power and manipulation. Those are trademark sinister qualities. These making deals, the the popping up in Immortal X Men, trying to make a deal with Shaw. Yeah, I mean, trying to get ahead. Essentially, I I totally hear it when you say it, but I just looking at her as a character, I just don't see it, and not in a way that I'm like, I don't see it. I'm mad about it. In <laughs> a way, like I don't see it. I'm just confused by it, and sure, also sure. intrigued by it. Like I like that it's different because if they were all exactly the same, it wouldn't be interesting. Right? No. If if it was just Bar Sinister with all of the different <laughs> Sinister, I mean, it'd be funny. Right. That cape. Right. But that cape. Warlion wants to see a Ghost Rider race with Johnny and his bike, Robbie with the Charger, and Banshee with Juggernaut. <laughs> and I 100% want to see that. Just because I want to see Juggernaut like that again. Which now makes sense as to, okay, Juggernaut's a free agent because this seemingly isn't coming back. Right. Seems like he could be on the X-Men team. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> And he's also asking, do we think that Legion of X isn't going to continue after Sins of Sinister? And it seems it's not. Yeah, it seems like that's the finale. I don't know if there's going to be another title that Sai is writing, like a, a season three, as mm. this was referred to as a season two of Way of X. Here for it, interested to see what else is there to tell or, or how the fall of X shifts the potential for those stories, but we also have a lot of new writers coming in with War College, with Gambit and Rogue, with... I definitely think that Fall of X doesn't mean the end of Krakoa, but I do think it means a shift in, oh, 100%. in Krakoa, like yeah. a reset in new books and new writers and new 
directions, new focuses. I was talking to Bill on Twitter and he was saying, is this going to be the start of the third and potentially final age of Krakoa? Yeah, I don't think that Fall of X is the end, but is it the beginning of the end? I don't know. I, I find it interesting, you know, and, and it's this is a sheer like noob assessment, but like I find it is interesting that there's always this talk about where is the end of Krakoa? Like in in previous eras of X-Men, was there a conversation of, oh, is this the end of Charles Xavier's school? Like, is this the end of the X-Men teams? Like, well, you know what I mean? It's, it's different because the end of an arc or an era was often signaled by the exit of the lead writer that was crafting that, right? So a, a big shift in and, and X-Men themselves as the title lasted as a title much longer than it would have otherwise in modern times, right? They hit numbers around 400 and, and beyond. But like if you think of Krakoa as just the place where the X-Men live, like the the end of Nimrod or the end of the House of X Powers of Ten arc, the end of Moira, the end of all of that, the technarchy. Okay, but... When you say the end of Krakoa, in my mind, like what comes to my mind is, oh, the mutants don't live on Krakoa anymore. And that doesn't seem like something that needs to end in my, like, that just seems like this is another place that exists in the Marvel Universe now. Sure. Like, But I also see the fact that they're seeding a, a cracking of that government system, that, that loosely created government system, especially as Magneto is now dead. And Xavier is going off the deep end and there's a lot of infighting between the council. Like the, the systems that they've established on this small and young nation haven't taken root to any strength that would continue it further. So the idea that Krakoa, the character, might continue, but even with the unrest of some mutants, the the Iraqi as a prime example, the fact that they don't like this as a as a potential even the some different people that are like ah paradise isn't really for me i don't know i i do like your point about why are we trying to figure out when this ends i think it's just the fact that the end was signaled at the beginning so we know like hickman said at the beginning there is an end to this story that he has in mind this was not meant to go on for years and years right, in his but mind. it did sure they so changed it but they're still in some way working towards some of that big picture plan of what's going to happen. Right. But I just, I think of that as an end of the council, an end of the the dream that Moira, Charles, and Magneto started. But to say the end of Krakoa, in my mind, means the end of Arako, the end of... Uh, the, the end of the Krakoan era is what you're asking, right? Well, I'm just saying, like, if you take away what Krakoa has built for mutantum, then you're just going backwards. Like, I can't imagine them being, and now we all go back to live in the regular human world and everything's just back the way it was. Without the machine reset of Moira, right? And I feel like that is... And if you did that, I'm out. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm done. If you literally time travel us back to pre-powers of X, powers of 10 house of x and you say okay i'm just kidding none of this ever happened ha 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 the, you can kiss me goodbye i will be so mad not even if it was done in a satisfying I way i would leave but are you kidding but we have a podcast now okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't even know does the podcast continue if the krakoan era ends yes of course it does i, don't know. I just does it yes yeah? 
Of course it does. You're in it now, baby. Yeah, Even but- if I'm out, I'm still here. I'm just saying I would riot in the streets. All right. Hey, we got we got a couple more questions. Create another planet or something. Don't freaking take me back to the before times. <laughs> I think it is. I mean that that's been always part of the conversation. I gotta you, go. We can't talk about it. How do you go back to just living at the school again? You you can't. You can't. You've changed the game too much. You've introduced I, too many new ideas. Houses all over the world. Exactly. Show me what Forge was working on in his lab. Bonsai's the little the Darwin future that he saw in the vault. I just feel like there's so much potential. So we're still building. We're still adding. You're just going to say like, oh, we took a bunch of random Marvel superheroes and we put them together and we formed the Avengers. Like the Avengers keeps going. But it Even changes. It, it changes. Yes. Yeah, the so location I just feel that like, they live in, the roster. I don't know. Okay. Yes. Yes. I just, Krakoa is so much more than I feel it's being summed up as. Well, it's, it's also like your core experience. Literally my everything. Sure. Right. <laughs> Carrie Eaglin is saying that Nimrod escaped with Warlock's data, but that might end up being Nimrod's undoing. After killing Warlock's father and trying to kill Cypher, Nimrod may have a Trojan virus in himself Yo, now. Let's go. Give me Warlock Trojan virus. Take down Nimrod. I would be so happy if that happened. <laughs> Self-friend destroy you. Yeah, I, that would be interesting. That'd be a cool like inner battle that that is how warlock somehow survives imagine warlock taking over nimrod and nimrod walking in going waving in like hey self friend like that is that is the powers of 10 nimrod that was like oh goody oh my god yes is because he's been warlock infused the whole time this had the final strike cast against xavier worst father ever he has a better he was a better man when his brain was blown out in X-Men Legacy, and he actually took time to self-reflect on the kind of man he was. I mean, this, this definitely is a low point. There's been a series of low points, especially in Sabretooth and, and here throughout this era of the Krakoan era, this age that we've been in. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's all of our questions. It's all of our comics. Uh, how, how do you feel having processed the, the grief, the trauma? I feel hopeful for Warlock's return, but I'm telling you, I I was not okay. At the beginning of this issue, like all joy and hope died from your face and you were just like looking at me sad, sad, shaken head. I was like, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can process it. I don't think I can talk about there's it. There's a couple, like I'll probably edit out the, the spaces, but there's a couple of times where I just like look over at you. Because I, I was you to say staring something. at the page like this is the time, Alicia, when you would make a comment about what's happening on this page. And I, I, and I was like, I can't do it because we're going to talk about Warlock dying right. and I'm not ready. All right. Then I say another thing, I guess. <laughs> hey, what's coming next week? Um. Well... Uh, don't know. Well, Dark Web is over, so... So, Sins of Sinister? Perhaps. We got a one-two punch. Ooh! Of my most excited titles. X-Men Red? No. Because that's not happening. Storm and the Brotherhood? There you go. Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants and Bishop War College. Ooh! Both kick off next week. Exciting. Along with... So I don't know. Are we? Are, I don't think we're gonna cover it on the podcast, but I'm still gonna read the rest of Gold Goblin. Yeah. Well, I need to. I need. I need to wrap up that story. Sure. X Men Legends: The Bishop story that was actually really oh, good yeah, last I'm time. Oh yeah, I'm excited about Very that. Very excited about that. 
And then Black Panther and Spider-Man and Daredevil, all the things that I'm reading outside of X-Men. Yeah. So so there's really only the two and three. Yeah. Three. And then I don't know if you have interest in continuing to read Gold Goblin. I'm not going to pick up Red Goblin. I don't. No, I do want to read Gold Goblin, though. I want to close that out. And I'm definitely going to want to read Mary Jane and Black Cat. Are you interested in continuing to read Amazing Spider-Man? We'll see. Maybe I'll just leave it out there. We don't have to talk about it because it's no longer relative. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That's all we got. Oh, Nelly, that was a time. Mm. And you know what we say here. Until next time, old friend. Worst dad ever. For sure. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.